We're going to start in Luke. A very popular portion of scripture called the Last Supper. Chapter 22 of Luke, verse 7, it starts like this. Then came the day of unleavened bread, on which the Passover lamb had to be sacrificed. Verse 8, Jesus sent Peter and John saying, Go and make preparations for us to eat the Passover. Uh, where do you want us to prepare for it, they asked. Verse 10, he replied, as you enter the city, a man carrying a jar of water will meet you. That was not typical usually in that culture. At that time, women were known to carry jars of water for their family. But Jesus said, you will find a man carrying a jar of water and he will meet you. Follow him to the house that he enters. And you will say to the owner of the house, the teacher asked, where is the guest room? where I may eat the Passover with my disciples. Verse 12, he will show you a large room upstairs, all furnished. Make preparations there. They left and found things just as Jesus had told them. So they prepared the Passover. So Luke's account gives us a great snapshot of what happens before the Passover meal. And then John's account gives us an excellent story of what happens during the Passover meal. Are you ready? We're going to go over to John in verse, chapter 13, verse 2. 2. The evening meal was in progress. And the devil had already prompted Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew. Say that, say that to your neighbor. Say, Jesus knew. That the Father had put all things under his power and that... He had come from God and was returning to God. So he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing and wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with a towel that was wrapped around him. He came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus replied, you do not realize what I'm doing, but later you will understand. No. How many know it's not a good idea to tell Jesus, no? But Peter replies, no, you shall never wash my feet. So Jesus answered, unless I wash you, you have no part with me. Then, Lord, Simon Peter replied, not just my feet, but my hands and my head as well. Give me a bubble bath. Verse 10, Jesus answered, those who have had a bath need only to wash their feet. Their whole body is clean, and you are clean, though not every one of you. For he knew who was going to betray him, and that was why he said not every one of you was clean. When he finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. Do you understand what I have done for you? He asked them. You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you should also wash another's feet. Last verse. I have set an example that you should do as I have done for you. Amen. Look at your neighbor. Tell him the title of my message. Say, it's just backwards. Come on, look at him right in the eye. It's just backwards. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. You're good. You're perfect. You're pleasing word that it has the power to transform us, that you have set before us an example to serve one another and to do things that sometimes appear backwards. We ask that your word would speak this morning, transform us by the renewing of our mind. 
we ask this in your precious name. And everybody said, amen and amen. You may be seated. Is everybody doing good today? You still have the holiday cheer? How many of you are like, man, I follow this thing through all the way to New Year's? And how many of you are like, okay, Christmas is over. Take the tree down. <laughs> That's more, I'm more like the second one. This is a very um, awesome story about how serving God can sometimes seem and feel backwards. And what do we do when serving God feels backwards? What does it mean and what do we do? Uh, Pastor Chris just wrapped up the sermon series, Here Comes the King. How many of you have appreciated those messages? Yeah. They have been so awesome. And the entire month, I've just been thinking to myself, every part of this story is backwards. Every, every part of it, like a child born of a virgin, backwards. A king laying in a manger, backwards. God himself coming to earth as a human, backwards. And now we have the savior of the world in his position of teacher and master humbling himself and washing all of his disciples' dirty, stinky feet. Someone say backwards. Serving God can feel and seem backwards. The kingdom of God is full of these Dichotomies, these opposite ends of the spectrum. Uh, the greatest must become the least. And, and there is great uh, strength found in weakness. And you can find tremendous joy. Consider it joy, my brothers and sisters, as you experience suffering. And the Bible teaches all kinds of dichotomies like this. Um, ch- check out this really quick example of Mark nine thirty five. It says this, sitting down, Jesus called the twelve and said, Anyone who wants to be first must be the very last and the servant of all. It's an example of, of how backwards things can get in the kingdom of God, how, how positions and places don't matter as much as service, and, and how, how sometimes it's backwards feeling to do the right thing, to serve God, to do what you're called to do, to participate in his plans for your life. Humility, if you're taking notes, is the key that gives you access to God's plan. Humility is the key that grants you access into the plans of God because God's plans for your life are actually just his preferences for your life until you participate. God's plans for you are only his preferences for you until you participate. Humility and service gives you the key to participate in God's plans for you. Amen? In our story today, we find we find in Luke... Jesus asking Peter and John to participate in the plan of God by going to the house, finding the man with the jug of water, uh, going to the upper room and asking him one question, where shall the master have his Passover meal? And they participates in what Jesus said. That They do ask him a question. They say, where? Jesus says, go prepare a place. And they say, where? But that was it. Jesus told them where and they just went. And it, it, it reminds me of how awkward it is to submit to somebody else's plan and and that how it takes great maturity to submit to somebody else's plan because, um, 
they didn't, they didn't get a lot of details. Jesus just said, go to this place and talk to this guy about the meal and he'll, it'll work out. And they just, what I love about the story is they just participated. Don't you love it when your small children just participate? Is anybody like me in here who, who you have a four and a six or a two and a one and a, or a, and little kids? It can be very difficult to get little children to participate in the plan. We just got back from the Great Wolf Lodge in Williamsburg, Virginia. Have you ever been there? This indoor water park. It's pretty cool. But what happened was, is we got there Friday at about 4 p.m. And the kids, we checked in and got our suits on and got everything ready. And we checked in and, and the kids kind of did their thing from like 5 to 8, 39 o'clock. Just full blast in the water park. You know, like going and going and going and going. And it was time to go back from the water park to the bedroom, to the, to the room where my parents, my brother, uh, the whole family had prepared presents for the kids to open. <laughs> you wouldn't you know it, they wouldn't want to leave that water park. That six, <laughs> what I call my daughter, Nova, has a temper tantrum at about nine o'clock at night, before we go up to the, uh, the room to open presents, she cannot comprehend that we are leaving this party to go to another party. That there's presents and cookies and paint and, and, and there's just this plan that I have for you. And if you just participate right now, you'll experience the party to come. And my little girl, she couldn't take it. <laughs> she has a nervous mental breakdown. And she's pouting and screaming, Daddy's ruining my night. And I thought, really? It kind of looks like you're ruining my night. And I was angry and grumpy. Get up to the room. I told her, I told her mother, I said, she can cry on her way to the room. Let's go. She's like, every time you come around, she, she cries again. And what I learned is, that it takes great maturity to just participate in somebody else's plan. Kids can't do that. They grow into maturity and they, and they learn it. And we learn it as adults. That it, it just takes humility. You have to lay down your pride. And it, takes, it's, it feels backwards to submit to somebody else's plan. And we see James, uh, I'm sorry, Peter and John doing this. Submitting to the plans of Christ. But this message isn't about Peter and John. This message is about Jesus. And how he was, can I say the OG? No, I can't. He was, he was actually the one submitting to the plans that day. That John and James and, uh, let me get that backwards. That Peter and John, they were doing good, but they were, but they weren't doing as good as Jesus. Check out this verse. We see, we see Jesus submitting to his father's plan. Verse eight, Jesus Sent Peter, James, and John saying, go and make the preparations for all of us of the Passover. They left and found things just as Jesus had told them. Go to the next verse, verse 3. Jesus knew that the Father had put things, all things, under his power and that he had come from God and was returning to God. I read a commentary on this passage this week that said, John's gospel emphasizes the fact that Jesus was not an innocent victim of a plot. 
unaware of the transpiring events around him. That he knew God had put everything under his power and that he had come from God and he was going back to God. He knew that in just a couple of hours he would be betrayed, arrested, crucified. He was not some innocent victim that was just unaware of this plot transpiring around him. That he was fully aware of exactly what was happening around him. He knew exactly that he would be betrayed, arrested, And crucified three amazing reasons to quit. Three really good reasons why I would stop submitting to somebody else's plan. Like, I don't like that plan. I don't like the part where I get betrayed and crucified and and arrested and where I get, I don't like that part that we see him in the Garden of Eden later in scripture, a couple hours later, asking God to remove this cup from me. I don't like this plan. But he says, in maturity, not my will, but yours. And how backwards it is to say that to to God and and to other people. Not my will, but yours. See, as as believers, we have this thing inside of us called the Holy Spirit. And at, at all day, at any given time, at any moment, in every circumstance, you have the opportunity to either do what the spirit desires or what the flesh desires. And how many know that they are complete opposites? And it's this wrestling match between what the spirit of God wants to do and what I want to do. And we find the perfect example of Jesus doing what seems backwards to the flesh, submitting to his father's plan. It's an excellent example of that. The second thing that we see him doing is we see him, first of all, he's submitting to his father's plan, and now he's serving through problems. (laughs) Now, at the end of this year and going into the next, I don't know what gives you problems. (laughs) I don't. I don't know what you get upset about. I don't know the things that make you angry. I don't know what disappoints you. I don't know what things that frustrate you. But I know what frustrates me. I know them all too well. And um, Jesus, in this episode where he's wiping his disciples' feet, he he actually, I want to highlight three problems that he comes across. uh, Because I think it's helpful today. Uh, Are you ready? Yes. (laughs) That would have been a good time to say, we're ready. All right. Put up verse two. The evening meal was in progress and the devil had already prompted Judas, son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. Now, remember what we said about Jesus knowing everything and not being some innocent victim and he knew what was happening around him. You know, there's something very backwards about inviting your betrayer to to a meal. That he knew Judas had already decided to betray him with 30 pieces of silver and and a kiss. And yet, with the knowledge of betrayal and that this, this, this person is going to end up hurting me, he not only invites him to the table with the other 12 disciples. Like, why is Judas at the dinner? You ever wonder if you knew what Jesus knew, 
Would you have invited Judas to the dinner? (laughs) I would not have. I have a problem serving sometimes through disappointment. And can you imagine the disappointment of Jesus when when he learned, well, he was, he was God, so he knew all things. But when, when Judas went and, and betrayed him, the disappointment that that, that that would have brought. And so we have, right away, we have the problem of disappointment. Disappointment comes in many different forms. It doesn't always have to, it doesn't necessarily have to be a betrayal. In this instance, it was. But the truth of the matter is, I believe that if you're being honest, there are things right now that you are disappointed about. And 2019 may have been a year where it brought tremendous disappointment to your life. And what we see here is the absolute example of why we need humility. I wrote this down. If you do not have humility, pride will help you justify giving up when you're disappointed. If you're not humble, you'll stop at being disappointed. The disappointment in your life will come. That's what Judas represents here. He he represents somebody at your table who has disappointed you. Or maybe it's not somebody, maybe it's just something. Maybe it's a circumstance at work. He represents that thing in your life right now that's bringing you disappointment. And if you're not humble, if I'm not humble, I will let disappointment cause me to quit. And it'll be, it'll be too good of an excuse for me to stop. It'll be, it'll be a perfect reason why I can't treat you better. It will be a perfect reason why you will never amount to anything. Like, if, if, I'm, if I'm not humble when I'm disappointed, I will let that convince me. That giving up is okay. And what Jesus models today is that even in the heart of betray, even in the midst of a betraying, disappointing circumstance, he can still invite him to the table and he can still scrub his dirty toes. <laughs> Come on. Like, that's backwards. What if, what if being disappointed is a poor excuse for not serving? What if just the disappointment in itself is not a good enough excuse for you to quit? What if it's not? What if even in disappointment you can choose to do the right thing, to do the necessary thing, to do the thing that everybody else has overlooked? What if disappointment is just an opportunity to serve? So we see Jesus serving through disappointment. That's the first problem. Let's put up verse four and go to the next problem here. Uh, So he got up from the meal. Hmm. He took off his outer clothing and wrapped a towel around his waist. And after that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet. Some will say, that's nasty. (laughs) I want to talk about the problem of overlooked tasks. The problem of overlooked tasks. Picking up the slack. You know, how many, how many know that uh, sometimes in life, and I'm not telling, teaching you anything new, sometimes there are seasons 
that you have to pick up some slack. Woo! Maybe it's happening right now at your work. Somebody has been let go. Somebody has been fired. Somebody has quit. And now, due to circumstances, there are a lot of things that need to be accomplished still. And guess what? You're the one who has to do it. You've got to pick up all the slack. You're not getting paid anymore. (laughs) You're not getting any more accolades or recognition. Everybody is just depending on you to pick up the slack. And that could be what you're entering into in 2020. Like, all jokes aside, it could be a disappointing thing right now in your life because you know this year is bringing up a tremendous amount of picking up slack. Watch this. This is a cool part of this scripture. How many know it's a good idea to study, study the Bible? To study God's word? To go deeper? I read this commentary and it blew my mind. Listen to this. Ordinarily, on such an occasion, a Passover supper. This wasn't the first Passover, but it was the last. Listen, ordinarily, on such an occasion, the host would have delegated a servant to the menial task of removing the sandals of the guests and washing their feet. Since the meeting was obviously intended to be in secret and made in haste, no servants were present. None of the disciples were ready to volunteer for such a task. So sometime during the meal, Jesus rose, removed his outer cloak, tied a towel around his waist, and began to perform the work of the servant who was not present. Oh, the problem of the forgotten task. Can you imagine the embarrassment of Peter and John in this moment? Jesus scooting back, standing up, taking off his outer cloak, uh, dipping towel into the water, and then beginning one by one to scrub his disciples. Can you imagine the embarrassment of Peter and John? I thought you were going to schedule the foot guy. No, no, no. You said you were going to schedule the foot guy. And now, in the middle of a customary meal where it was, where it was a, a socially unacceptable to eat with your feet dirty, Jesus sees a task that had been forgotten and assumes the place from master to servant and begins to serve in the, in the place of a missing servant. That is how you serve through the, through the pain and the problem of an overlooked task. Jesus looks around and says, oh, none of these guys are going to do this. And my feet are still dirty. (laughs) So, he takes the position of a servant where there was none. Oh man, if we could serve through that. Let me ask you this. If you're in a season of picking up slack, are the overlooked tasks around you a reason to be angry or an opportunity to, opportunity to serve? Are the overlooked tasks around you a reason to be angry or an opportunity to serve? Because when Jesus is at the table, it's an opportunity to serve. That was a good amen moment. <laughs> Without saying a word, he gets up and he starts washing their feet. It's just backwards. That's what I'm trying to communicate today, that it's backwards. It's backwards to submit to the plan of somebody else. It's backwards to serve through pain and disappointment and why did that happen? And, and, and I can't believe this, this, this. 
I don't know what it is for you, but for me, it's when I, when you, when you're in a season of having little kids, everything's slack. There's a pile of slack over here. There's a pile of slack over here. Go into the bathroom. There's a pile of slack in the bathroom. I am in a season of life as a, as a young parent picking up slack everywhere. And my wife, God love her, can do all things through Christ who gives her strength, cannot do it all by herself. And my hat is off to the, to the single parents in here who single-handedly hold the house down while picking up all the slack that children leave. Can we just, oh my goodness, listen, because my, my experience is that even as a tag team effort, there's slack everywhere. And guess what? If I'm not humble, it'll be an opportunity for me to get angry. And I'll miss opportunities that I'll miss participating in the plan that God has in my life. If I don't humble myself and participate in what should be an opportunity but I'm perceiving it as a frustration. So what happens is, Jesus, without saying a word, scrubs their feet and he serves through the overlooked task. He serves through the disappointment, through the betrayal, through the overlooked, through it. He serves through it. It's backwards. The spirit of God in you can cause you to live backwards. Where you serve through it. Amen? Oh. Verse 6, check it out. What happens next? He came to Simon Peter who said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus replied, you do not realize what I'm doing. But later, you'll understand. Someone say, but later. But later, you will understand. You shall never wash my feet. He, Simon said, No. Peter said, you will never wash my feet. So we talked about the problem of disappointment, the problem of the overlooked task. The last problem is the problem of misunderstandings. In other words, the problem of conflict. The problem of, I'm trying to do something here for you. And, and Peter, somebody else saying, you ain't doing that for me. The problem of trying to serve and, and getting um, it totally taken the wrong way. They have totally misunderstood what you're trying to do in this moment. Peter, out of a high regard for Jesus, actually takes a step back and says, no, 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 no. You are not going to wash my feet. Did you hear what I said? It was out of his high regard for Jesus that he brought a conflict into the situation. You know what this teaches me about conflict? Somebody who, listen, I'll be the first to admit, I hate conflict. I don't like it. I will have it when it's necessary for survival. (laughs) Some of you all will have it for fun and that makes me sick. (laughs) I don't understand it. I can have fun without having conflict. But listen, it was, of, it was because of Peter's high regard of Jesus that he brought conflict to the table. Nothing else. And where I run into problems is when people bring me conflict because they've misunderstood something that I'm trying to do. And they, because what I, what I fail to see in my immaturity sometimes is that they actually brought it to me because of their high regard of me. That they cared enough about me to bring it to my attention. 
<laughs> I heard a boss say one time to some employees, like, if I don't bring things to your attention that need corrected, watch out. You're about to get fired because I've stopped caring about you. I care about you enough to bring this. What Peter is, what it's teaching me in my life right now is that not all conflict is a negative experience. Not all conflict is a negative experience. It could actually be rooted in Peter's heart for you. It could actually be rooted in, no, 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 no. The Lord, just a couple chapters before this, Peter says, you are the risen Christ. He's actually so highly regarded Jesus that you are not touching my feet. So if you're not careful, if you're not aware of what's happening, you might, you might perceive someone loving you as someone hating you. And Jesus, the master, the teacher, he doesn't let, him throw him, doesn't let it throw him through a loop. He says this, you don't get it now, but you will later. What an amazing response to something that could have been taken the wrong way. Could have been taken personally. He just says, oh, you don't understand. If there's anything that I don't like doing, this is Adam, the flesh, talking. I dislike providing an explanation for my actions. Anybody else? If I do something, it's because I wanted to, and I meant to, and maybe I didn't think of everything, but I thought I did a pretty good job. And I do not want to provide an explanation. I don't like it. (laughs) And um, what we learn is that sometimes the most humiliating thing, besides walking up early for your sermon, (laughs) is... After, after being presented with conflict, hey, you're not touching my feet. After being presented with conflict, the most humiliating thing to do after that is to, is to tell them why. The most, sometimes the most gracious thing that you could do for somebody who's misunderstood you is to offer them a greater explanation behind your behaviors. Like, to provide an explanation for your actions. Some of us, myself included, will in our pride withhold the explanation because they are not grateful. Hello? (laughs) It just got really dark in here. But what we see Jesus doing, again, is serving through the misunderstanding. And showing us how to do it. Serving through the misunderstanding. They don't get it now. But he will. You know what that made me think of? Anything in your life that you're following God will be hard to explain to other people. The point of the message is that it's all backwards. And forgiveness looks confusing, doesn't it? I heard a preacher say one time, just because you have a stone doesn't mean you need to throw it. Just because you have a good reason 
doesn't mean you need to throw the stone. And Jesus said, just because you did betray me, doesn't mean I won't wash your feet. And we, we see this amazing example of Jesus serving anyway. Someone say it's just backwards. These things are hard to explain. Forgiveness, generosity. You ever tried to explain that? Um, You gave how much away to what? Like that doesn't make any sense. It's hard to explain. It's backwards. Uh, How about just humbly picking up the slack everywhere you go? That's backwards. It's hard to explain. Why do you, why are you always so nice? Why are you always so forgiving? Why do you always, like, where, 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 where this would usually, like, I like conflict, and where this would usually jive somebody else up, you're just kind of like, well, you'll understand some other time. Like, how? It's just hard to explain some of these things. And Jesus is, is the perfect example of, of showing us how to do this. Verse 12. This is where it gets good. When he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. Oh, man, this is the part that got me in preparation for this message. This one little phrase, he returned to his place. It jumped out of the Bible at me. And it just represents so much that if you start to think about where God's place was like Jesus putting the towel down, putting his clothes back on and returning to his place. It represents far more than just a physical place at the table, but more so a positional place as their teacher and Lord that I left my place as teacher and Lord to serve, to do the task to serve through it, and then I'm returning to my place as master. This is interesting. Because even the place of master was already a humbled position from his rightful place at the right hand of God the Father. Come on, we didn't think about that yet. That God became flesh, he left divinity to become part of humanity, and that that was the most humbling, lowest serving thing that God himself could do, take up the form of a man and give his life for the sins of all mankind. He had already taken a, a step backwards from divinity to humanity, and now that he's in humanity, he goes from teacher to servant. Someone say backwards. It's backwards. He had already humbled himself to the most humiliating place. And then the Bible says that when he's done serving, he goes back to his place. Back to his place. I I said this in my notes. Sometimes we need to step out of place. You've worked hard for a place. You've earned a place. You deserve a place. You've been waiting for the place. The place is yours. You have arrived. But guess what? Sometimes you're called to step out of your place to wash somebody else's feet. And even though you can go back there when you're all done, you can't not wash feet because you're there. 
When Jesus looked around and saw that there was an unoverlooked task of a servant, he left his place. When he saw that there was a lost world who needed saving, he left his place. And I'm telling you that in order to participate in the plan of God in your life in 2020, you have to be willing and able to serve through leaving your place. The disappointment of leaving your place, the, uh, the, the frustration of picking up slack when you leave your place, the, the, the disappointment of people misunder, like, why did you leave your place? This doesn't make any sense. I'm misunderstanding this totally. You, you must have lost your mind. No, I just left my place. I'm going to do this. I'm going to return. And if you are not humble enough to leave your place to do an ordinary task, then pride will cause you to quit every time. You will not participate in the plans that God has for you. Amen? One one more part of a commentary I want to read to you about this passage. It says this. Leaving his place was a voluntary humiliation that rebuked the pride of the disciples. Perhaps it accentuated the tension of the situation because Luke notes that when the disciples entered the room, they were arguing about who among them would be the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Oh, we started in Luke because it provided a good uh, snapshot of what happened before the meal. We were in John because it's telling us the story about Jesus wiping his disciples' feet. But if we go back to Luke, we find out something very interesting that the disciples actually entered into the, into the room arguing about who would be the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Check this out. Let's read the, script, the scripture in Luke 22, verse 24. A dispute also arose among them as to which of them was considered to be the greatest. Oh, Jesus said to them, the kings of the Gentiles lorded over them, and those who exercise authority over them call themselves benefactors. But you are not to be like that. Instead, the greatest among you should be like the youngest, and the one who rules like the one who serves. For who is greater, the one at the table or the one who serves? Is it not the one at the table? But... I am among you as one who serves. Someone say amen. What I started to realize was this is an excellent story about Jesus submitting to somebody else's plan, serving through some obvious problems, and, 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 uh, and going up, I'm sorry, going down, to get up. That Jesus was in a room full of his closest disciples. And he noticed that the attitude was wrong. He noticed that the atmosphere was backwards. He noticed that this was just not right. Something was not right. That they had entered the room talking about who was going to be the greatest. And, and, and Jesus thinks to himself, there's a role that nobody thought of and an opportunity for me to teach these guys a lesson right now because in the kingdom of heaven, it's backwards. Kingdom economics are backwards. Actually, in the kingdom of heaven, to get more, you have to give away more. To, To go up, you have to go down. To be the first, you have to be the very last. He said, in kingdom economics, things are just backwards. So right now, I need to, I need to stand up and do something that's completely backwards. I need to leave my place as teacher, as master, and I need, to, I need to serve. And here's the part where he gives his disciples an explanation. Where he 
He says, you don't get this now, but I'm actually setting an example for you about how you're thinking wrong, about how your attitude is all wrong. This has absolutely nothing to do with who will sit where and what positions you'll have. And, and that's what they were worried about. They were concerned about who will sit at his right and who will sit at his left. And, and, and when he came into his glory, they were just, what will that mean for me and our positions and how we will rule? And Jesus says, if you're thinking like that, you're thinking backwards. And he says, the actual way to get where you're going want to go, they want to go up. They want the position. They want the place. There's nothing wrong with the position. There's nothing wrong with the place. There's nothing, nothing wrong with any of it. But he says, if you want to get there and stay there, the way up is down. And the savior of the world who came from heaven to earth, from earth to the grave, to serve his disciples was teaching them a lesson that if you want to go up, you've got to go down. It's backwards. It's backwards. So I want to ask you this today. If there is, listen, I want you to picture this. Jesus is sitting with his closest people. It is very interesting to me how the people closest to you will be the most confused by you. The people closest to you will be the most confused by you. And if you look around your table today, your family, your work environment, your circumstance, if you look around and you see attitudes that need corrected, if you, if you see motivations that need challenged, if you see tasks that are being overlooked, slack to pick up. If, if you're looking around today and you see all of these things and you got to change attitudes and change minds and change hearts and you got a long uphill battle in front of you, I'm telling you the way to do that is backwards. It's not the way you're thinking. So to correct a problem in 2020, why don't you just try serving? Why don't you do what was modeled for us? Why don't, why don't I learn to do what was modeled for me? And if I want to transform someone's life around me, it's going to look a lot like scrubbing feet. It's going to look more like scrubbing feet than having any position or any authority or any, 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 any new idea or any, any new revel. It's going to look a lot like, why don't you just put the towel around your waist, get on your knees and serve? And you see that as Jesus serves, as he gives his explanation, the, the disciples are transformed to live a life exampled for them. That's the reason he did it, because he said, this is the example that I have set for you. And then he says, go and do as I have done for you. Amen. Amen. Let's, let's stand to our feet. I think, I think that there is a, an example for us to follow this year. I think, and I know, <laughs> you're thinking, Adam, you're 32. How could you possibly know this? Well, I know that the way up is down. And I can tell you that the way to transform the people around you is by serving them. And that you will never get to where you want to go faster than taking the lowest, most humble path you could possibly take. That was another good amen moment. <laughs> this whole passage is about Jesus correcting bad attitudes and bad thinking.
If you want to transform the people around you, it's going to look like washing feet. I can't stress it enough that Jesus humbled himself from heaven. And then at the place of teacher, I I love that he says, you call me teacher and you're right because that is what I am. But right now, I'm a servant. And I believe that if you'll open your heart, if you'll open your eyes, if you'll open your mind today, and you're willing to take the position of servant, no matter what your place is right now, no matter if you're right, no matter if you're, if you're justified and, and, and not serving, if, if you would just take your place as servant, God can accomplish so much through your life that you won't even be able to explain it. It'll be backwards. It'll be hard to explain. Your, 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 your people in your life will, won't understand the good things that are transpiring around you because of you, your decision today to serve. Amen? Amen. So that's it. You got to go down to go up. Uh, submitting to God's plan is, is the best decision you could ever make. I can tell you this, in 2020, I personally want to be less offendable. I want to have, uh, I want to have less unhealthy thinking. I don't, I don't want to fall into the same patterns of thinking. I want to be unoffendable. I don't want to take things the wrong way. I don't want to let disappointment stop me from serving. I don't want to let uh, uh, picking up slack stop me from serving. I don't want people misunderstanding me to stop me from serving. I want to... Take the example of the Christ that went before me and realize that the ultimate picture of going forward looks like this. The ultimate picture of the gospel going forward was that God himself came down to earth and took a position on a cross to die for our sins. And there is no other way to the Father but through the Son. And that that, that means that for us, we have to follow the example of Christ and to serve today. Can I get an amen? All right, let's pray. Thank you, Lord, for your goodness. I pray that in 2020, the people in this room would be hard to explain, that they would choose to live a life so backwards, so forgiving, so loving, so understanding, so so eager to help, so eager to serve, so generous, God, that it just doesn't make sense, that it baffles the minds of everybody around them, and then when they're asked this year, how did you make it through that? How did you get to the other side of that? They will look at you and say, because I followed the example of the God who went before me, and because he took up the cross, I can do all things through him who gives me strength, and that is my response in 2020 about how to be the best I can be. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen and amen.